Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us in our Johannesburg studio today is South African actress, presenter, and producer, Zakia Patel. <laughs> Thank you for having me on Womanity. I absolutely, I love this. I love this space, and I love what the space represents and the space it's holding. Thank you, and it's such <laughs> a pleasure to welcome you to the show and to learn more about your experiences. And I think not just about those experiences, but expectations for the future going forwards. So to start with, you've acted in local productions like SABC's Isidingo, you were in Riyad Musa's Material, you were in award-winning South African series The Wild, uh, as well as High Rollers, you've been in Scandal, The Docket, Squeezers, Seven Delan, a host of local productions, and you were the champion of the sixth season of Strictly Come Dancing. Indeed. So, so much. Thank you for reading out my CV. <laughs> now, listening to all of those different elements and, and dynamics, when did you really feel that performance arts was in your blood? It's such a tough question because I think I've always known. When I was little, um, it was never about being the center of attention. Even to this day, I'm not, I don't want to be the center of attention. What it was about is this power of being able to move people whether it was to laughter or to tears I realized if I mimicked something I saw on TV I could get a response and whether that response was positive or negative it was that ability to move people that was very very powerful for me uh, my dad always tells the story of how the tribe of Indians that we hail from were gypsies and they would travel in the caravans and the caravans of the doctors the carpenters and our caravan uh, were the caravan of performers so centuries and centuries ago in my blood is storytelling performing you know late night at the fire all the caravans would stop the work would be done for the day and then the storytellers that's when they would come to life and that is a, such a beautiful part of my heritage that runs so firmly through me is storytelling and within that, having that almost like family DNA, are the rest of the family also within the entertainment space? 100% they are. My sister is a producer. She produces for SABC, a show called Teenagers on a Mission, and uh, Ones and Twos, a very popular DJing show. My auntie and uncle my, on my dad's side are also in the industry. They are producers, uh, red carpet productions, performing, acting, uh, presenting so it is so firm and it is so obvious that this is something that is familial family business having walked this journey can you share some of the important landmarks in your career so far ah uh, I think the most important part of my journey was where I started uh, which was material the first one <laughs> so I was 20 I think 21 when I left university and I auditioned for this movie to be the girlfriend of Riyad Musa. Didn't hear anything of it for a year, so I thought nothing of it. I'd moved to South Korea to teach English and then I 
got an email saying they want you to come back to shoot this movie, but they want you to be the little sister. And my first thought was, I thought that this had been done ages ago. How is this happening now? But I decided to go home and shoot it, and then I returned to South Korea. But that was the best choice I ever made because that is where my career snowballed and spiraled from uh, in the way that they always say it's not you know it's not what you know it's who you know and it is it is so 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 incredibly true on that show i met one of my mentors kreej govinder who after material sent me a message saying zach audition uh there's an audition for the wild maybe pop through and i thought this is a giant giant show in south african television with you know connie and shauna ferguson there's no way on this green earth i'm going to get this but let me just get out there get the industry to see my face went for the audition few days later my agent called me and she's like Zach you got the role and I was absolutely flabbergasted so that is a huge standout for me as materials where I started because everything literally snowballed from there and they say success leads to success and it is so 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 incredibly true um and I just feel like when I started in the entertainment industry, it was such a good time for people and women that look like me in terms of being, in inverted commas, an Indian girl. Uh, when they were looking for that in so many different production companies, they were looking for the token Indian, which was great because I was there and I was available and I am incredibly hardworking and I'm great at what I do. Um, I wouldn't discount my talent or my hard work and say, oh, it's so luck, I'm so lucky, I'm not lucky, I'm hardworking. Um, and another standout one is a movie that released this year called Three Days to Go, um, where I played a teen mom uh, with two babies with from two different baby daddies. And That's tough. It was it was when I read the role, I was with my acting coach and I quite um, casually said, "Oh, she's such a hoe," and my acting coach reeled me straight in and. Not in, a, not in a forceful way, in a very, very gentle way. And she reminded me, she said, actors have this amazing job. You know, we get to physically embody someone and psychologically and emotionally. But there's also a spiritual aspect of it, which is you get to hold the story of this woman who th that it's happened to in South Africa. There's a young woman out there who has two different baby daddies, who's had a heartbreak and who's been left twice. This is not a hoe. This is a woman who has been unlucky in love. You get to hold her story and you get to give that woman, when she sees it, catharsis and 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 an understanding and a communion. Um, and I love that. And I will never, ever let my lizard brain snap to ju judgment about the characters I play because there is so much, uh, there's such a big spiritual aspect of what we do, which is for people. That's why I do it, to move people. You've got the respect for the person who's who you're portraying, and those stories are lived experiences, not by a single individual, but by by oh, multiple millions, yeah. multiple people. Staying on the, the the point of of women, media has got such an impact in terms of of once it's out, it's it's out for for a while. I mean, we watch movies that are. Could be a day old, could be fifty years <laughs> old, hundred years. They they're still in in circulation, but because of that, it's got such an enduring effect. So when you take on roles, and in terms of roles representing women, does that play in your mind on on acceptance of parts? So I remember when I just started in the industry, I was offered a role, my first role. It would have been before material, on quite a popular. 
um, South African producers show, but the quality of the show and the the brand was not one I wanted to be a part of in the long term. So it was quite hard because there's you know the aspect of money and you want to break into the industry and do I want the exposure versus as a young woman who hasn't even started building a brand, is this how I position myself? Um, and I was watching something on Instagram the other day and it was such a brilliant quote. It was Alfre Wooded and she said, if you want to play Eleanor Roosevelt one day, maybe don't take Bootylicious 2. And she said, because you're going to have to prove yourself to somebody down the line. And it's so true and it's so hard uh, when you are you know, eating baked beans, if that is the, the position you're in as a performer, which is often the case in all over the world, actually, uh, you know, should I just take it? But you have to remember the end goal and the brand. You have to remember what is the brand I'm making. Is it Bootylicious 2 or is it Eleanor Roosevelt? And when we're talking about the likes of Eleanor Roosevelt, <laughs> you uh, are making a massive transformation huge shift and you are are setting sail uprooting yourself from south africa uh, to implant into hollywood and when i think about film and, and cinema as, as a lay person in in this industry hollywood is the epitome of success of cinematic excellence tell us more about what sparked this and and why you're doing this I've always thought that if I was going to do this, if I was going to be in the entertainment industry, I was going to go to the biggest entertainment industry in the world. And I was going to play with the big fish. That is what I've always, always, always wanted to do. I mean, the how was mind boggling. I have a South African passport. I'm a green member. How do you get there? And so I started my research very very early on and the idea was to get an outstanding artist green card so you have 10 things that you can um, petition for you only have to prove three of those 10 so I started that I sent an immigration lawyer an email a few years ago and I said would I be applicable for this and he said I've googled your name and just from googling your name you've already got the green card so he said the process is long and hard. Uh, there will be rejections on the way, but if you want to undertake this journey, then you then then let's do it. I also feel South Africa has given me so much. They gave me my green card. It's it's so funny that South Africa gave me this amazing platform. They gave me the roles. They gave me the awards. They gave me the the accolades. It's so 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 beautiful that they've given me this opportunity. But in the same breath, I I feel like I've done it here. I've done it and there is so much to do but I know that if I had you know the house in Camps Bay and the private schools for the kids and all that stuff I would always feel why didn't I go get more my heart would never be satisfied so it's also a, a feeling of wanting more I want more I want everything I want it all I want Bollywood as well and Nollywood all <laughs> there's nothing wrong with ambition and <laughs> ambition fuels success that, that's, that's the drive and it's wonderful that you're able to utilize your current experience as this launch pad to set you off on on greater heights and, and greater aspirations congratulations thank you and there's a lot of hard work that's involved in this oh, it's not something which happens overnight it's a, a complete process i have 
I can't even tell you the amount of tears and tantrums. Oh, man, our application was, I feel like I deserve an Oscar for administration. And the Oscar for best administration goes to Zakia Patel. Woo! Because it was it was a feat. I mean, the, the USA wants chicks. They want chicks. Yeah, yeah, that face. They want chicks. It boggles the mind. I'm trying to think when I last wrote a check. Not an EFT, a check. So I go to the bank. Can I get a check? A what? A check. A what? Four people later, someone comes and hears this and they laugh in my face. Not not in any way, in a malicious way. But she's like, no, no one does checks anymore. But maybe try the other bank down the road. Go to the other bank down the road. Same story. A check. A what, ma'am? A check. Sorry. Let me, let me get someone to help you. Finally, someone knows what I'm looking for. Have you ever been into the vaults of a bank? No, I haven't. So you go down the spiral staircase, what a cliche, and then you have security guards and then the retinal scan and thumbprint, and then you go past the safety deposit box and then the boxes and then the concrete turns to sand with the roots coming out. And then there's a vault, like a big silver kind of vault. And then this opens and then in the vault, I kid you not, please believe me, there is a dinosaur, an actual dinosaur he doesn't have teeth he's too old and he creaks to life and he's like you've come for a check writes me this check and then the usa don't accept it because the date is in the south african format <laughs> so hard work is it's, it hasn't just been hard work in the industry i mean this green card has been hard work and loads of great stories and a lot a lot of uh, a lot of tears and tantrums and wow my tantrums are spectacular well, I'm sure you've gathered a lot of material <laughs> to start writing this into potential script. Definitely, definitely. Taking a more of a, a serious note, though, is is looking at at the gender aspect within the the, the cinema and the film in, industry. And we've had a wave of international movements from the likes of Me Too's, Times Up, which which really started gaining popularity and awareness out mm. of uh, America, highlighting sexual harassments. And from a South African point of view, in you know the last couple of months, we've had elements like Shut Down Santon, mm. Am I Next? How do you feel about these types of campaigns? And do you feel that they help women or hinder our development? I think these campaigns are so powerful. If you look at the American space, a few years ago, I remember someone very close to me saying, you know what you're going to have to do to get where you want to get in Hollywood. And I said, there's no way I'm going to do it. And then she said, well, be prepared to have a much harder journey if you don't choose that way. And with the likes of your Salma Hayek's, et cetera, et cetera, speaking out, um, it has changed the landscape. In Hollywood now, you are not allowed to have an audition in a hotel room or in a private residence. It's illegal. You cannot. There are huge, huge, huge things that are now being put in place. So that is not even possible in South Africa I feel like there isn't such a big movement in terms of a voice in the industry there, there are amazing initiatives like SWIFT um, sisters working in film and television that's one of them that is so 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 valuable but I think there's still a huge huge concern of if I talk I'm never going to work again I'm going to get blacklisted and it's like money versus dignity I mean it's such a huge and such a worrying thing and then in South Africa what I struggle with where the movement is amazing especially with regards to how my male counterparts have reacted 
in the way that a lot of people started talking about it and the men started talking about it. Not women shouldn't wear short skirts and um, they should take care of themselves and le- learn self-defense. It's the we. We must try this. We must be protectors. We must hold the space. Um, there is a space of men feeling uncomfortable and attacked and out of that people are growing people are having conversations that are difficult i'm a huge feminist i rage with my boyfriends my guy friends i'm like we need to talk about this and there'll be some joking and then when i get them one-on-one then we have the deep conversations and it's hard work and it's exhausting but it is the work that needs to be done but for me the bigger picture which is what i struggle with is you can make a longer sentence um for for uh perpetrators of this sort of thing but you're not addressing the problem rather the cause so it's not being implemented in the education system gender um maybe it would be called gender studies uh they've um they've got classes in malawi and kenya where little boys and little girls have classes of self-defense of how women must be treated of what is okay what's not okay girls you know say out loud don't touch me and boys are like i won't touch you and like it's such a beautiful thing and you see the rate of gender violence in those areas according to studies have gone down dramatically because it's an education thing. It's a culture that is being grown. And I think that's where South Africa needs to start spending the time and the money is education. You can give someone a longer sentence, but that's not d- addressing the problem. Yeah, it's it's putting a, a band-aid, band-aid on it. On, oh, and a shocking band-aid. End. One thing that we spoke about very early on, you were, were talking about the, the empathy factor of, of storytelling and, and the power that it has on being able to drive emotive change. But when I look at, at the scenario of, of acting and and the power ratio within the cinema or film or entertainment industry, whilst we may have lots of women and, and men even as, as entertainments, entertainers sitting on the periphery, the nexus of power is still dominated by men. 100%. And if you had more women within that space, you automatically wouldn't have this misalignment in terms of how you treat people and and, and looking at this as sexual harassment. So that is my, that's the big goal. So get to Hollywood, make a name. The big goal is to tell stories by women, about women that are, that are everyday. So it's moving women into the space of being, I don't care if you're the protagonist or the antagonist, as long as you are a character of agency and telling your three-dimensional story and you're not just the hot piece of ass, that's the story I want to tell. And women of color stories. So this is such a huge thing for me. It's to, and it's it's happening. It's happening. Your Ava DuVernay's, your Shonda Rhimes, I mean, Oprah's in the, in, in the chase. Uh, Reese Witherspoon is on it. Uh, and these are big names taking their weight and swinging their power around. And that's exactly what we need. You look at it, I mean, even the Bollywood landscape is changing where there are amazing female characters and they are starting to sit in the producer chair. And I mean, you think, for how many years have been watching stories about men, by men? This narrative mm-hmm. honestly bores me to, I mean, I'd rather watch paint dry to, to the point where I just think, how can this have happened for so long, this narrative? And the worst is when men tell women's stories. And I'm like, please stop mansplaining this to me. This is absurd. And the, the fact is that often when women are involved in those types of, of, of productions, 
that their position is always seen relative to men. Oh, uh, I produced on a show um, a few years ago, and my experience was one of incredible growth. But one of the big things was having a team listen to, I mean, I'm tiny, I look young. I literally had to, to get the respect and the work that I needed from them, rock up in a power suit, so head to toe, heels, full makeup. I am very bright and light and bubbly. I had to deepen my voice. I had to root myself and I had to act like a bitch. You know that story? And it's the the um, that famous case study story where they just changed the name from John to Jane and Jane is a bitch, she's controlling, but John is ambitious and, you know, a leader. Um, but I had to do that. I had to take on incredibly male qualities to lead a team. And, I mean, sadly, it's even a woman. That. You were taking on leadership qualities. Yeah, exactly. But it's Which are associated. How, mm. It's how people perceive them. Exactly. Based on who's delivering them. Exactly. So uh, that was a, a big experience of growth for me. So as much as you you want to change it, you want to change it, you want to change it. But you have to play the game. And by playing the game, I mean taking on those leadership qualities. That's what I did um, to get to a point. And when I get to that point, girl, you know who I'm hiring? <laughs> the queens, the girls, the the women who are doing it. And there's a and, – and there's a there's, – it's also tough with women because there's immediately that feeling of competition. And I have to very – very, very consciously breathe into that space. I will come across a very beautiful woman in my space and immediately prickle. But because I am a conscious human being, I soften into it and I go straight to her and be like, you are beautiful. And then I break the ice and I make the connection. And, and I don't I don't come up as a as a um, opposition. Here's an interesting d- dynamic on competition. So part of the reason for competition is the fact that consider there's 51% women in the population, 49% men in the population. But we don't have 51% of the opportunities. Mm. We may have 20% of the opportunities. So there are more of us competing mm, for, for, less opportunities. for less opportunities. If we had more opportunities... It wouldn't be like that. It wouldn't be like that. So instead of us competing equally across the spectrum... Mm. It's narrowed those that, that that opportunity construct. So we need more opportunities. I've had a quite. It was a very hard experience with a male director. I was. He said, "Come to this audition. It'll be great. It was such a beautiful part. I had worked h- incredibly hard on the accent, on the dancing, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And then I sent him a message saying, "What happened to the audition?" He's like, "Oh, we cast in house." And I was like, "It's such a pity because I, I would have loved the opportunity to show you what I can do." And his immediate reaction was, I know the actor who got it has taken so many of your roles, but one day it'll be your chance. And he immediately put me up against the actor, the actress, um, instead of taking ownership of the fact that he, A, cast in-house and B, didn't give me the opportunity. So he didn't see that it was the opportunity that I was feeling that I'd lost out on, but it was immediately a competition thing. And I put him straight immediately and he was just like, I know you're upset about this. You don't have to. And he immediately started uh, gaslighting. And I was, and he, he's also a gay man. So you would think that there was an understanding of the 
the the marginalization, the, the need for being seen, et cetera, et cetera. And he was, but it was a woman on woman thing. We were having, in his eyes, there was a war and it was between me and this other actress as opposed to me and him. Shocking. He was the decision maker. He, oh, yeah. The decision maker, him. You were listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective on frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band, also available on DSTV Channel 802. Today, we're talking to South African actress, presenter, and producer Zakia Patel. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Zakia, in the previous segment of our conversation, we were talking about some of the realities that women experience uh, on a day-to-day basis within the entertainment industry. And we've touched on aspects of, of culture. Um, going deeper into that and looking at more holistically as opposed to just within, within the experience of, of entertainment, gender equality often hinges on, on tensions with sensitive points like culture, religion, and tradition. Do you think it would be possible to overcome these types of of constraints for women's development? It's such a tough one because in paradise, it is equal and fair and amazing. But right now, there's so much work we need to do to do that. And I think a lot of it is being authentic, using authentic, authentic voices but also not in a way that is highly offended um, and nitpicky. And it's very tough because what I like to, I like to choose my battles. As a, a woman of color in South Africa, I am typecast as an Indian. I'm not Indian, I'm mixed race. So my dad is Indian, Muslim, and my mom is a colored Catholic. So I joke that I'm a pavement special and I 100% am. But I have been put in that position and cast in that space over and over and over again. And the way Indian women are perceived are doctors, lawyers, in arranged marriages. And we have a new one, Gupta. I get to be a Gupta. Uh, And these roles are one-dimensional and stereotypical. What I use my space for when I get onto that set, is I rock the socks off that one-dimensional character. I give her every dimension in my five lines. And writers and producers are like, love it, let's add a storyline. And in that storyline, when, when I work with writers and producers, they are three-dimensional, they are stories that bring change, they are stories that touch on difficult things, not difficult things, frivolous, fun. I mean, storylines from Twitter to sexual harassment in the, in the workplace. That's how I particularly use my, my little my little piece of power and I think all women whether it's in the office uh, or at home need to start having the conversations I think that's how it happens you just have to you have to no matter what the lot is even if it's just one person's mind you change or one person who's even if you don't change their mind if you just flick on a light they can put it off they can put it off if you can do that one thing then we are one person one idea closer to leveling the playing field and in those conversations the the truth is that it's rare that you'll be able to convince someone 100% in in one in a once off engagement but we're kind of doing the the background and the the groundwork for the next generation 100% or, or the next Sakia that walks into the door so in a way it's it's a duty that we have to our 
our, our kinwoman. 100%. 100%. I mean, if you think of the women who've come before us, what can we do now? You know, what will they be able to do then? That is, it is such a beautiful, beautiful idea and, and seed to be growing. Uh, responsibility. Mm. Given what you know now and the, the experiences that you've encountered, what do you think we need the most to benefit women in the future? What do we need to benefit women most in the future? Mm. I think it's about a sense of ownership. A big, big sense of ownership where it's owning their voices, owning their bodies, and owning their unique stories. I know many women have had their voices squashed. Oh, you're silly. Like, don't. <laughs> That's a silly idea. And it'll be told to a woman 50% more than a man's ideas are told. So I think it's it's putting up your hand in the room. It's letting people think you sound silly and it's also pulling together and finding your community. Um, I've always had boyfriends, girlf- like guy friends in my life and the older I get, the more I find my tribe. And it's, it, it's, I, it seems to be such a pity, but when I was a young woman, I didn't know myself. I didn't know what my, I didn't even know who my tribe would have been. And now I'm finding these wild women who are my tribe and we empower each other and we grow our voices and out of those relationships, we become more more authentic, louder, bigger, and we take up space. And with that amplification, it also infects is the wrong word, but it's almost like a a viral effect to to grow the fold and increase your tribe. Mm. Turning towards more of a personal perspective, one question that I ask all my guests who've who've made tremendous achievements in in their respective fields is about some of the factors they consider have have contributed to their success. I am a bully. (laughs) I bully the universe. So my dad always jokes that I go uphill, and I do. When I want something, wild horses could not drag me in the opposite direction from it. So I think one of the things that have held me in amazing stead for my career is my persistency, dedication, and what a friend of mine calls Macbition, Lady Macbeth ambition. I mean, it's 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 it has it does have a negative dash your baby's brains out connotation to it. But I mean, I, I wouldn't do that. But I'm incredibly ambitious, and I think. I think on the flip side, and it's what I'm learning now, is the the rest period. So it's the yin and the yang and the ebb and the flow where I can be incredibly hard and focused and straight. But then I start losing energy because I'm not restoring myself. So another big thing that benefits me and is helping so much is understanding when there are periods of quiet and growth. Those are powering me up for the next big burst. And in those times, I need to be gentle with myself, incredibly gentle. Because when an actor is not working on a big project, the feelings are incredibly egotistical. I'm not good enough. I have no value. I'm not worth it. No money, no future, blah, blah, blah. And that nasty voice in your head, oh, mine is very cruel, comes and she's like, oh, look, he's not working. Well, do you think you're worth anything? That kind of junk. Um, Also, ignore that bitch. Seriously, ignore that voice. Um. yeah so definitely an incredible ability to work hard I always say I'm not the prettiest smartest skinniest you know actor in the world but I will burn the midnight oil 
at all ends. Uh, Will Smith has that famous quote about getting off the treadmill. He says, I'd rather die than get off the treadmill before someone else does. He's like, I will die before that person gets off. Very powerful. <laughs> you mentioned your your backgrounds. So dad, Indian Muslim, mum, coloured Catholic. <laughs> Share with us some of the pivotal moments in your life growing up. Those are, are, are really, let's say, loud, loud cultures. Very, to come very. From. So it's it's been the most beautiful and eclectic upbringing where we were born. So my mom, my dad married a colored woman, uh, Catholic woman. And my granny's like, you know, that that's my granny's Muslim. She's like, I'm, I'm not too keen on that. Uh, no. And my dad said, well. I'm going to do it. And she's like, fine, but the children must be Muslim. And, and then my mom's like, whatever. It doesn't matter. The children can be Muslim. So we were born Muslim, heads shaved, uh, all our rights read, you know, born as proper Muslims. Uh, but she'd t- still take her Muslim babies to church <laughs> every Sunday. There we were. And my dad wasn't really practicing. And he said, you know, Jacinta, you love your religion and you love church so much. So the girls can be Catholic, you know. We, we, we have a halal house. Uh, we we run ourselves in certain ways. We keep certain traditions. But raise the girls in your faith. So off these two little girls are now baptized and now we're Catholic Muslims. And we got the best of all the worlds. So it was Christmas and Eid and Ramadan. Festivals. And literally, it is the best. Because um, also the food in our house. I mean, for Christmas, we have turkey biryani. I mean, you cannot imagine the way my mother cooks and and mixes the cultures um the we're also eclectic anyway um my dad's sister has moved more towards a buddhist sense of 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 understanding and spirituality uh we've have a lot of hindu and jewish friends so we literally celebrate absolutely everything you could be on holiday all year round oh i mean i try (laughs) our wedding was a catholic muslim hindu also jewish affair Literally, we had a chuppah, so we because we loved the symbolism. We had a Hindu priest. My grand did a Muslim rite for us. Um, our sister and my sister-in-law read some beautiful parts of the Bible. Our brother-in-law also uh, did an osa section for us. So we literally got married with all the gods in whatever shapes or forms, watching and giving us their blessings. True Rainbow Nation style. <laughs> We are unfortunately running out of time. (laughs) So lastly, in closing the conversation today, which has been so enlightening and and feeling your your energy and the eclecticism of the the culture you grew up and what you're taking off and exporting (laughs) to, to Hollywood, a fantastic gem. But as we close out the show today, can you share a few words of inspiration or wisdom that you'd like to pass on to young girls or ladies that are listening to the show on the continent it's such a strange one that always comes into my brain when people ask me about this and i i think it is so important to share it um in terms of being an independent woman i believe women should be financially secure it's such a people always like oh you know airy fairy words of wisdom no this is my advice is very practical you need to learn to save you need to understand that that Gucci bag is not an investment. You need to understand the difference between depreciating assets and appreciating assets. You need to, whether it's a tiny amount every month, you need to protect yourself. You need to have your own accounts. You need to 
even if you're in an amazing loving relationship with an ANC that protects you to the T, you need to take care of yourself. Because if anything goes down, you are the one with the card, you are the one with the pen, and you are the one in charge of your future. Also, educate yourself in whatever shape or form that takes. The most amazing thing about education these days is it can happen online. You don't even need, it's not about a degree and a piece of paper anymore. It's about educating yourself. And it, there are so many free online courses. There are also inexpensive online courses. And if you can keep those two things in a balance, your bank account and your education, I think that is one of the most beautiful things a woman can give herself. Fantastic message. Thank you so much. We really appreciated you taking time out of your day to to join us on the show what a pleasure thank you for having me you have been listening to womanity woman in unity on channel africa the african perspective and we have been talking to south african actress presenter and producer zakia patel